So we've been doing this series, The Values, haven't we? And um, I'm going to be sharing on our next value, which is we are worshippers. You know, we've just spent some time in worship and, you know, I just love being in the presence of God and worshipping with all of you. And, um, and I know that it blesses his heart as well. Um, but as you've heard from all of the different values that we've um, been sharing, all of them are rooted in scripture and their kingdom principles, aren't they? And um, when they're applied, when they're really evident in our life, then we can actually see that we're getting kingdom focused, which is what we need to be. And when we're kingdom focused, we naturally draw closer to God, don't we? When we're thinking about him, we're drawing closer to him and we desire to be in his presence more and more. So it's almost like a a full circle in his presence. We want more of his presence. It shouldn't be um, something that ever ends it doesn't have a a start and a finish well I suppose the finish is the day when we go to see him but then we'll just be worshipping even more won't we now when we get into his presence when we're in his presence we really get that fresh revelation thank you that's my tissues I know it's going to (laughs) happen we get that fresh revelation of who he is don't we and and his goodness and all the things that he's done and also what he wants to do in and through our lives as well so let's just start with this, um, this value by looking at what actually worship is defined as. I mean, we should all know, shouldn't we, really? But it says, worship, giving reverent honour to bow down, to lift up. And actually, when you look at all the different values, worship is integral to all of the values that are being shared. And that desire, really, to see them reflected in our lives and in the life of the church is a heart of worship. And at the very heart of worship is always going to be relationship with the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, I don't know if it's coming up on the screen. So, worshippers, we are passionately praising, intimate in worship, hungry for God's presence. And there's so much that can be spoken on the subject of worship, so we're just going to spend the next, like, five to six hours talking about what I've got to... I just wanted to check that people were listening. My chicken will be completely burnt to a crisp. (laughs) No, but what I'm going to be focusing on this morning is about the type of worshipper that God calls us to be. I know really, I was speaking to Gerald earlier, something that's been really elevant, evident to me as I've been pe- preparing for this morning is that the heart response and the relationship of the worshipper to God determines the quality of the offering of worship. So it's all about the relationship. You know, you can't have a worship without the relationship, and actually the Apostle Paul speaks constantly about that heart of the believer. The heart can't be absent from it. So if our experience of being a Christian is just like a series of tick boxes, Dad shared this with the worship team um, last Thursday, it can't just be, oh, well, I've read the Bible for 10 minutes, so I, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time praying, I came to church on a Sunday. That's religious, that's just going through the motions of what Christianity is. Christianity is all about relationship with God. So these things, I'm not saying reading your Bible and, and spending time praying is, is not right. It is absolutely right. It should be evident in our lifestyles, but it should be as an expression of our relationship that we have with God. So worship really is a lifestyle. Okay, so we are temples of the Holy Spirit, aren't we? We, we, we talk about being temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep leaving us. We are temples and he dwells in us. And God wants us to be spirit-led in our lifestyle of worship. And that lifestyle really would reflect, I've spoken before about culture 
It's not about the culture of the world. It's about the culture of the kingdom. And so, yes, we are in this world and we'll see a lot of things. We need to realise what the distractions are and what the dangers are, but we should be operating according to the culture of the kingdom and all the values that sit within that. And what does that mean? Well, it means that we're attentive, aren't we? We're responsive and obedient. You know, kids hate that word, obedient, but it doesn't go away when we become adults, when we have a relationship with God. Obedience is so important. And he says in his word that being obedient is more important to him than being, being sacrificial. So, you know, people would offer sacrifices, but then they just go away and start doing the same thing again and again. That's not what it's about. It's just do, be obedient in the first in the first place, really. No, choosing to honour God, when we're talking about the, the culture of the kingdom, it's about choosing to bless God in our, the way that we speak, the way that we act, and the things that we do. And that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, let all that you do, do all for the glory of God. Now you may think, I taught in kids' church a couple of weeks ago about worship and then we're like what do you mean all that you do it's like well literally when you're at school you can do that for the glory of God everything that you can do is for the glory of God and it's asking him God how can I bless you today what do you want me to do where I am today what do you want me to do when I'm at work it's not I'm in work mode now don't bother me (laughs) it's like God what you want how do you want me to bless your heart when I am in the workplace and do you know what he does bring opportunities to you but you can have all these opportunities coming to you, but if you don't do anything about them because you're not responsive, then, um, then they can't, they've passed you by, haven't they? And I think we'll, we'll stand before God one day and we're thinking, you know, there was all these opportunities and I'm sorry, God, I never, I didn't see them because I was too much in the, I'm in work mode, I'm in home mode. But when I get on here on a Sunday, Lord God, you can have all my attention there. And that, that's actually really sad, isn't it? To think that that could be the possibility. And I think we can all do that at times, can't we? But it's making that conscious decision that we are going to live our lives for him. So if it's all that we do and that it's a lifestyle, then we can all agree that praise and worship isn't about singing some fast and slow songs on a Sunday morning. We sang that song, The the Heart of Worship, didn't we? It was like, I'll give you more than a song because the song in itself is not what you have desired. You look so much deeper within you know it'd be really concerning if when the music faded that all the worship faded as well and I'm not saying like on when we're up here on a Sunday to start cutting cables just to test to see if that's true but you know this should be the heart of the worshippers doesn't matter if there's music we should be able to worship God anyway you know I really love our times of of corporate praise and worship I do and I I know that myself and the wider team are really honoured to to be trusted to lead worship um, in this house. But worshipping to music is just one way that we express our love and devotion to God. It's, it's Worship teams don't have a monopoly on what good worship looks like. And just like any other person within the life of the church, we need to be number one committed to our relationship with God and, and live in that spirit-led lifestyle. Otherwise, we'd just be another band that plays some songs on a, on a Sunday morning. And we don't want to be that. So I'm not saying that worship teams shouldn't have any talent or gifting. I mean, if you've got a gift, you should be using that for the kingdom and, and, and blessing God with that. But our love for the one that we're worshipping should always be greater. So ultimately, if you can't sing, 
and you can't play an instrument, it doesn't mean that you're exempt from being a worshipper. You were born to be a worshipper. And actually, I'll go one step further than that and say that somebody who's completely tone deaf could actually offer up better worship to God, a more acceptable offering than someone who sang like a complete angel or was really accomplished at music because it's about the heart and life of the worshipper. You know, sometimes we can look at people thinking, wow, that person's got it completely together. They're so in love with God. But that's just what you see. You know, we, can, we do judge books by their cover, don't we? And, it, and it's, it's not right because it can go in a positive way or a negative way. You can think someone's got it completely together, but they could be a complete mess when they, when they leave um, a place where they're around other people and completely um, ignore God for the rest of the time. So it's not about what you see. It's, not, it's more about the unseen than the seen. God looks at the, the content of the heart. Now, um, throughout the Old and New Testament, when you're reading your Bibles, you'll see that you won't go far before you see the word worship, and the church is defined as worshippers, so people who worship God. And in 1 Peter 2.9 it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Now, being a worshipper is at the very core of who we are. It's what we were created for, and it's something that requires an action, a response, isn't it? It's declaring the goodness of who God is. But to declare the goodness of who somebody is, you need to know them yourself, and that can't be based on someone else's revelation and experience or relationship. So your, your, your relationship with God can't be based on what Pastor Steve's revelation is of, of who God is. You need that for yourself because you can only really worship God when you know him for yourself. Now, praise, um, I think I've said before, is slightly different because people can consciously and unconsciously praise God just by delighting in creation. They're praising the, the works of the creator and, and his handiwork, but they don't necessarily connect the fact that they know the one that created it. Whereas for us, it's completely different, isn't it? We should, we should look at things and think, well, I know, I know who made that. And we should delight in it and think, God, you're incredible. You're incredible, all these things. And you can't look far before you see another thing. So again, we should never run out of things that we can be praising God for. Now, I've, I mentioned, I think, when we just got back from Madeira, it was a very nice holiday. And even though I get very travel sick, I went on a trip with mum and dad up to the side of a mountain, so just above cloud level, um, to watch the sunrise. And um, it was a mate. There was loads of people there, people who got up really early just to watch the sunrise. And as the sun came up in the sky, everyone was like, wow, and started clapping. And I was just thinking, wow, God, all these people are, are praising you. Do they even know that they're doing that? And I was just thinking, you know, God, you did that, and you do it every single day. And how many of us just walk around just completely taking everything for granted that he does? You know, there's never, we can never run out of things to be praising and worshipping God about. And when we honour our relationship with God, then we are in complete awe of him, aren't we? Um, we want to give him, in that respect, the very best of our worship. You can't be in awe of God and not want to give him the very best of your worship. And God's very specific on what kind of worship and worshipper that he desires. And as with all things, we have a choice in that, don't we? We have a choice of whether or not we're going to worship. We choose whether or not we're going to be spirit-led and obedient. We choose if we're going to walk in his purposes and live our, our lives for him and want to bless him. But at the end of the day, the very core of our purpose is 
that we are worshippers and what should our heart be? Our heart should be that we want to be desperate to be that kind of worshipper that he seeks. So let's just look at John 4, 23 to 24. It says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. <clears throat> God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So worshipping in spirit means that we're continually, I'll say that word, continually engaged in worshipping God. That's wherever we are, like I said before. It's when you're at home, it's at work, it's when you're even when you're in, in the shops, it's every single day of the week. And walking in the spirit, being spirit-led and serving God in the spirit can't be done without the Holy Spirit because he's the enabler for us to be in the presence of God at all times. Now, when we're worshipping in truth, that's declaring God's praises directly from his words and so we do that in our prayer times don't we we do it when um when we're doing bible studies or even in the songs that we're singing it's praises directly from his word which is why we need to be mindful what are the worship songs that we're singing are they about who God is or is it about us or just whoever you know some things you don't even see the songs you don't even see God's name in it once you know, is that a worship song if we, we're not even declaring about him? So God's word warns us, doesn't it, about that lack of knowledge can lead to destruction, or lack of knowledge does lead to distraction, destruction. So it's not just any old knowledge. It doesn't mean that you can walk around and say, well, I know all the answers to the trivial pursuit questions. It's not just banking up knowledge. It's about the knowledge of the truth of who God is, and that is the only reliable truth in this world to be honest. Um, so if he's revealed himself in his word and we can't worship him in truth, then we, if we don't read his word and know it and love it for ourselves. It's, and again, it comes back to that. It can't be someone else's revelation. You need to have that for yourselves. So it's not either or both. It's spirit and truth. And that's the offering of worship that pleases God. You know, worship isn't about what pleases us and what we think is good enough and what we like doing. Um, ultimately, he decides what worship is and he decides if it's acceptable or not, what we've, what we've offered. And throughout the Bible, if you, particularly if you read Malachi, you can see a lot of examples of acceptable and unacceptable offerings. And um, you know, so ultimately, if God doesn't like it, it's not worship to him. Um, Again, I'll just come back to that thing about going through the motions. When you're solely worked, workspace and it's all tick boxing, there's no connection with who you are and what you're doing. Then that isn't that's an afterthought, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a leftover. It's like oh, well, I've done ten minutes. That you've you've got what you wanted today. That you, you wouldn't have a relationship with someone that you loved in that way, would you? You wouldn't think it was a good relationship anyway. And that example of Cain when he gave his offering. So he gave an offering. But it wasn't what God was asking for. And we all know how that story ended up. Um, <laughs> but then you've got David, when you look at Psalm 51, where he just committed adultery and he was giving burnt offerings to God. And he was saying, God, you're not happy with what I'm doing. You're not happy with these offerings. What you want is for my heart to be completely surrendered, my life to be completely surrendered to you. So effectively, they both gave offerings and both of them were rejected. But as in their offerings were rejected, they weren't rejected. But um, they reacted to that 
very, very differently, didn't they? And David's response was the right one. And I think for us today, it's the same for us. Our offering of worship can look very different in different seasons, can't it? You know, but it's about being responsive for what he is asking for from us. And um, if you're going to be responsive, then you need to be listening, don't you? You know, the, the foundations of any good relationship is that you've got listening and responsiveness as part of it. And of course, you can't um, have a good relationship with someone that you don't spend any time with either. A.W. Tozer set, put it this way, if you're not worshipping God on Monday the way you did the day before, perhaps you're not worshipping him at all. That's quite, it sounds quite harsh, but it's true, isn't it? You know, why should it look any different on a Sunday than it does on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And Pastor Steve shared that a few weeks ago, didn't he, about the Holy Spirit. You can't be ignoring God all week round, and then you get to Friday and saying, get to Sunday and saying, God, I love you. You're amazing. Oh, and by the way, can you do all these things for me as well? Because that would be really great. You know, if we looked in that in the natural sense of a relationship, if somebody was treated that way by their husband or wife, you'd think, what's going on? Why, when you're around everybody else, are you saying how much you love me? But when we're on our own, we might as well just live in separate houses. You'd think that was an abusive relationship, wouldn't you? We wouldn't say that that's a good relationship. But, you know, God can be treated that way by people who declare on a Sunday about how much they love him. You know, our relationship with God should be familiar. It should be, have a closeness to it and, and an intimacy. Um, and when we look again at King David's life, you know, he made a lot of mistakes, but he was known as a man after God's heart. He was a worshipper before he, he was a king, and he had intimacy in his relationship with God, which is why when he messed up, he went to God and he repented and he worshipped And when we look at Job's life, you know, he faced a lot of tragedy, but he worshipped because they're both men who knew God. They had an intimate relationship with him. And you can't separate worship from knowing God in that way. And for us, there should be an intimacy in the worship that we we offer up to him as well. Um, You know, how can we bless his heart in the way that David did if we don't know what's on his heart? He says to us that he wants to be our first love. He wants our undivided attention. He wants our whole-hearted worship. So a question that, I mean, I I ask myself and and just for all of us to ponder is, is God getting the best of our worship? You know, we know that when we come together in worship that it opens the door to the presence of God and we see breakthroughs and we see miracles and we see healings. And, you know, we can come into God's presence very differently than the way that we come out of it very differently than the way that we came in. And we're transformed, aren't we, in those times of, of in God's presence and, and just sitting at his feet. We, we come away differently. We're transformed. He blesses us. But actually, our motivation for worship shouldn't be, what can I get out of this? It's not about getting a response because he's already worthy of all of our praise already even if he never did another thing you know and our praise in response to that should be extravagant shouldn't it extravagant worship now I'd, I I'm, I'm not going to read out the actual scripture but I mean please do go away and read it later but that um th- that image of that lady with the alabaster jar where she breaks it over Jesus's feet and she wipes um his his feet with her hair and You've got Simon who just doesn't get it and Jesus has to explain, you know, what this expression of love is 
towards Jesus. And then you've got Judas who completely misses the point and he just thinks it's really extravagant and that's the equivalent of a year's um, salary for a labourer, um, you know, to, to anoint the feet of Jesus. And you think these are two people that were in the presence of Jesus and they didn't do the basic, um, giving him the, the, worthy, the worthiness and the honour that he deserved. We've seen recently with the Queen passing away, and you literally, and it was true, there was a national mourning, and I met a lot of people, and they were very, very um, emotional about the Queen passing, and there was a lot of focus on honouring her life, and her life was incredible, but how can we be honouring somebody that we've never met before personally, and is a person, but we've got a personal relationship with God, and he doesn't have that place of, of honour in, in our thoughts and in our in our lives, in our actions, the way that we speak. We look at that, um, that example of that woman's demonstration of love towards Jesus, and she probably was made fun of for it. People have been talking about her, and she went in there, and she took her headscarf off, and that's not what you're supposed to do, and she started saying how much she loved him, and it was an embarrassment, but she didn't care because love and worship don't care about the expense, do they? They don't care about the expense. And I think that's a really um, a good example to all of us. But there was one thing that um, I read, and, and it, it really touched my heart. And I think you know it's really true that if there's no little or no comprehension of who God is and the price that was paid for our salvation, then the response and gratitude our worship will be minimal. You know, her love for Jesus was greater than anything that she could have cared for for what she'd get from the world. And is that the same response that we have um, in, in our lives. So let's just turn to Psalm 29.2. It says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So he's a holy God. We, we sing that in our songs, don't we? But I think particularly in the, in the Western church, there's been so much emphasis put on Jesus is my friend, which he absolutely is our friend but it shouldn't be distracting from the fact that he is actually God and that he is holy and, and an acceptable offering of worship can't be separated from a fear of God and fearing the Lord means that we have that reverent awe of his holiness and know that he's a God of justice now when you know someone's character you, you know who they are don't you it's, it's part of that relationship. It's knowing about who the, for God, who he is and, and what he's done. And um, yeah, it's just having that confidence and a, and a hope and a trust in him because we already know that he's shown us mercy and he's shown us um, grace. So it comes back round to that being a wholehearted worshipper again, doesn't it? We don't want to give him the leftovers when we have a reverence and awe of, of who he is. Now, in Jeremy Riddle's book, I don't know if you know who Jeremy Riddle is, but he was a, a well-known worship leader, and he wrote a book called The Reset, and it says in there that without surrender, there is no worship. Without sacrifice, there is no offering. So wholehearted worship requires sacrifice and surrender. Let's read Romans 12.1, where it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So a living sacrifice is our reasonable service. That's the very least that we can do. And that means that we choose to live that lifestyle of spirit-led worship. 
it's choosing to live that in every single season, isn't it? You know, when God's calling us to surrender, it's, it's all the time. It's not just when things are going well, but it's when things are challenging as well. And people can really struggle with the concept of surrender. And I think because in the world, surrender seems like such a... No, you don't want to surrender because that shows that your weakness. But when you surrender to God, then that's being in complete strength. And remember that surrender and sacrifice is the nature of God. He is the one who gave his son. He was the one who made the first move. And he's asking us in our response to give him all of our lives, not just um, parts or certain days of the week where we're available to him. He wants us to be a living sacrifice in all seasons. You know, committing to this relationship with God isn't just when it's all plain sailing. We, we stick at it. We don't just run in the other direction when we don't think he's moving quick enough or in the way that we think he should because that would be a fair weather worshipper, wouldn't it? If we can only worship God when we think he's, he's doing a good job. It's, it's completely distracted from knowing who he is. And that's what the Israelites did a lot, didn't they? They, they got unhappy with how things are. They got dissatisfied. And then they'd, start, they'd whip out a bronze statue and start worshipping that instead. And, and that just seems so... Um, ridiculous to us nowadays and we may not have statues that we would start worshipping but there's other things that we can turn to and get distracted by in the world that and that's when we're putting them uh, prioritizing them above our relationship with God I and mean, when we're praying this morning we're saying this desire to um, that God would be before Netflix or Facebook or or TikTok or any of these things you can spend hours and hours on these things and then God what does what time does God get in comparison 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in Hebrews 13.15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So it's not fake it till you make it. I just can't stand it when people say fake it till you make it worship. It's, that's, it's not it's not right because it's by him. It's by the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's having that faith and trust in who God is because you know his character, because you've got that close relationship with him. You know that he is good. You know that he is faithful, that he's shown us grace and mercy. So essentially, regardless of what season we are facing, there's always a reason to want to worship God. And I think well, I know that the main focus today has been on about us personally, about our, our attitude towards worship and our spirit-led lifestyle of worship. But I just wanted to briefly touch on how worship is for us corporately, because as I said, it should be an overflow, overflow, overflow of the worship that we, um, that we are offering up to God in the week. You know, it's not about a time we just come together to sing our favorite songs because it's not about us at all is it it's about a unity of worshipers it's a community of worshipers coming together and just declaring with one voice that the goodness the nature of God and and just declaring how good and great that he is And, and that's an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit should be able to move freely isn't it it says that he he dwells and and lives in our praises he inhabits the praises of his people so when we do, if we know that he inhabits the praises of his people, then we should be expectant to see him move. And part of that is actually being prepared before we come into his presence. Now, I worked in, for the Navy for 
many years now, and one of the things when I first started working there that was really evident to me is that when there's a more senior ranking person that enters the room, you all stood up and you wouldn't be coming into the room after, into a meeting after they've arrived because that's just not showing the honour to the rank that, that they were holding. You know, and, and it should be the same for us when we're knowing that we're coming into God's presence. It's not, I'll see you when I get there kind of thing. It's like, God, I'm prepared to come together with my brothers and sisters and I want to worship you with all that I am. And we should um, look at, for example, the persecuted church. I mean, some of this just, it sounds incredible that there's, in this world, because we don't, we don't know it, do we? We just don't have that same experience as the persecuted church does. And, you know, they meet underground to worship God. You know, sometimes for six to eight hours, just full on praising God for six to eight hours. And, um, you know, they don't know when they're next going to be able to meet again. They don't know if they're going to get, someone's going to snitch on them and they're going to get beaten up or arrested or killed you know that does happen there's Christians who are being killed for for saying that they love God but just like that woman with the who broke the the oil the alabaster jar of oil over Jesus's feet they 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 either didn't count the cost and think you know Jesus I'm just so in love with you I didn't even think about it or they did think about it and think you know what actually even if it does mean my life will be taken from me you still deserve you just still deserve all of my worship. And now then we can look in the more Western world and there's people who are thinking, how much longer is that person going to talk because I want to get back home and eat my roast? You know, it's just worlds, it's worlds apart. And, and we can laugh because actually we laugh because we know it's true, but it shouldn't um, be a, a, a laugh where we want to continue on that, on, on that thread. We should be realizing that we're not a persecuted church now but just like when we knew with lockdown when that was imposed upon us you can't meet together and there was like an uproar about it but you know you don't know what it's going to be like um in the future and at the moment we can just come in complete freedom you know we can come in complete freedom and we can worship god and we can tell people that we're a christian complete freedom and um you know do we we utilize all of those opportunities to express our our love for god are we available to declare his worship to direct direct our worship towards him it's quite a sobering thought really isn't it no um i also just thought in in that vein as well in the fact that we are free to worship we're free to be christians you know we can't um separate the fact that worship our lifestyle of worship it has an impact on that commission that we've been given, our mission, the Great Commission as well, because people are looking at our lives, aren't they? They're looking at how we respond. Now, our lives should look different than everybody else's because we're ambassadors of Christ. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we look at Isaiah 61.10, it says, clothed, we're clothed in the garments of salvation, covered with the robe of righteousness. Do we act the way that we're, we're dressed? I've got a, a little story, um, bless her mum, I was a tomboy, but mum couldn't quite get out of her head that I didn't want to wear the big floofy party dresses, and she made, and it was beautiful, now I can, look at, I can appreciate the fact that it was many layers, there was a shop in Portsmouth called Chantel's, I don't know if you know it, but it was very, very expensive, and there was always very elaborate dress, um, dresses in there, and mum got the pattern, and she made me, and it had all pearls and ribbons, and 
many different layers um, and it was a beautiful dress and because I knew the hours that it took for her to put into it and the love that she poured into it because she um, was excited for me to to receive this as a gift I made sure that I didn't get a mark on it <laughs> I didn't want to get a mark on it because I knew how much love she'd poured into that and I, can, I won't say the person's name just in case they ever listened to it but when it no longer fitted me um, we gave it away to somebody else and and um, she literally put it on and she ran straight into the garden into all the mud and got it completely filthy and I could see like mum's face like oh. and I was thinking ah how could you do that but you know we can do that we've been given we've been clothed in salvation we've got that robe of righteousness on our lives and do, do we treat it in that way do we act in the way that we are dressed no bless her I can still picture it now <laughs> it wouldn't fit me now thank goodness <laughs> but people should see from people should see from our lives that evidence of the fruit of the spirit in our life shouldn't they they should see that that joy and that peace that surpasses all understanding it's not supposed to make sense and because it doesn't make sense people will be saying how have you got this peace and then we can have got that opportunity to be talking about how good God is in our lives in every single season and when we, we know that this world craves those things so much, why wouldn't we be an advertisement for that? Why wouldn't we be advertising how good he is and the joy that he brings us? And if we really love people the way that we say we do, why wouldn't we want them to experience that same relationship with God that we have? Uh, Helen, I don't know if you could come up. Thank you. She was so engrossed. <laughs> No, it's, there's, uh, there's one scripture um, that really, um, it's in Philippians, and it really, really challenges uh, my heart, and it's about that one day that every knee shall, ba- shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's those people who were re- prepared, and it's the people who weren't prepared. It's the people who chose to accept him and the people that chose to reject him as well. And it really challenges me in two ways. One, the first one being... Am I doing all that I can to lead the lost to Jesus? No, does my life make them want to be asking those questions of me? Like, where do I get my peace from? Where do I get my joy from? No, we want them to be prepared, don't we? We don't want them to be turning us one day saying, why didn't you tell me? Why can I even see it? What, you're a Christian. How, how did I not even know this? You knew the answer. And secondly, am I giving God the best of my worship? Am I the kind of worshipper that he seeks? And again, I think these are quite sobering questions again, aren't they? But when we know that there's never enough worship that we can give God, there's never enough. Even if he never responded to us again, there's still a reason to worship him. And again, Tozer puts it this way. And I love it because it's got the kind of old way of speaking as well. Sometimes I go to God and say, God, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth. I'll start again. I'm in the moment. (laughs) Sometimes I go to God and say, God, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship thee as long as I live and in the ages to come for what thou has already done. God's already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's done for me. Now we're going to 
close in prayer now and I hope this has been challenging for me for you I mean I, I feel challenged you know if we know that we can never run out of things to worship God for then we know that we've never arrived is it so I'm not saying this from a position saying well no, I've got the answers and I've done it I'm there because I never will be because <laughs> I'll never run out of things to worship God for and, and, and neither will you so let's just um, let's just close our eyes and, and bow our heads I'm going to just give people an opportunity to, to respond if it's the first time that they wanted to respond to to God and just receiving Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And, and if you do, then just raise your hand and there'll be somebody who will come and, and speak to you at the end and, and talk to you about that decision you've made and and get you in and on that journey. Okay. Father God, I love you. I believe in you I know that I have sinned Jesus I receive you and trust you as my Lord and personal saviour Jesus I believe that you went to the cross that you went there for me and all my sin and all my shame I believe that you died for me and that you rose again from the grave and conquered death and I believe that you're alive today I give you my life, Jesus. And I know in my heart that I'm saved and that you forgive me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity for us to come together and and just go back to the basics again of like who we are, Father God, and our purpose and and who you're calling us to be. You know, sometimes we can just run so where we think we're running off in a good direction Lord God but it's not your direction we don't want just good we want God we just pray Father God that you just speak into each of our lives Lord God I pray that there's an attentiveness that we have from this day on Lord God to just hear what is the offering of worship that you want from me today Lord Lord God that we're available we're available for you to to use us Lord God that, Father God, we're prepared to spend that time on our knees for you to do that work that needs to be done in, in us before you can work through us, Lord God. Father God, I just pray for just a fresh excitement for our relationship with you, Lord God. That if any times we've been getting the leftover, giving you the leftovers, Lord God, or we've just been going through the motions, Lord God, we're sorry sorry father thank you that for every new day lord god there's a new opportunity so just direct our feet lord god direct our path lord god we want to have lives that bless you lord god and honor you we want our praises to be a place that you can inhabit and that you delight in it lord god that it's pure lord god and it's worthy because you are worthy of all of the praise all of the glory all of the honor not just when we come here on a Sunday, Lord God, when we lift up our voices and we hear your word, Lord God, but every single day of the week that you're calling to be part of our lives, Lord God. Just pray for surrendered hearts, Lord, surrendered lives. We know in our weakness you are strong, Lord God. So have our all today, Lord. We thank you, Lord God. We glorify you. You are an awesome God. You're an incredible God. 
we love you. In Jesus' name.